And if you're here as a guest, I want to welcome you. It is so awesome. If you haven't been here in a while, I want to welcome you. I want you to know that God is happy that you're here. He's happy that you're celebrating uh, this incredible gift that we're talking about today. And, and we're going we're gonna to roll that out this morning. Uh, I believe Easter is an incredible day, an incredible opportunity for us to think about giving our lives to Jesus. You know, if you're here and you're kind of, oh, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I've been thinking about it and, you know, I've been invited to this church a number of times and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning in to becoming a Christian. Today is a great day to do that. Amen. Today is a great day to decide that. If you're, if you're a Christian and, you know, you're, you're kind of feeling separated from God, there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of problems, Easter is an incredible day to decide to come back and give your life to Jesus. And I'm going to ask if we can bring up the house lights because I want to see your faces. I can only see the guys here in the, in the front. I want to see everybody because I believe today Easter is an incredible day to do it, to turn our lives over. If you're a Christian and you're not in a good spot, you know, you're feeling numb, you're feeling this is all a ritual and, and you've got a lot of pain, today is a great day to, to do that. You know, Easter is the one day where it can do an end around all your reasons for not following Jesus. You know, Easter is a day where it can do an end around your reason for not becoming a Christian. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you today, if you're not a Christian, to become a Christian. I want to challenge you, if you are far from God, to make a decision to come back and get right with God. In spite of the fact that you know a couple Christians. In spite of the fact that you work for a Christian. In spite of the fact that you grew up amongst a lot of Christians and you say, well, all Christians are hypocrites. In spite of the fact that you've got a lot of pain in your life. In spite of the fact that God hasn't answered or heard your prayers. I want to encourage you because today is a day God can do an end around all of that. See, because Easter is special. It's a day that, you know, a lot of people, millions and millions of people around the world are focused on one thing. And, and that is what we're going to talk about today. You know, isn't it good news that the foundation of Christianity is not about the behavior or faith of Christians? I'm so glad. You know, isn't it, isn't it good that, you know, the foundation of Christianity is not based on whether God has answered your prayers. That the foundation of, of Christianity is not about, you know, whether we're hypocrites or not. It's not about that. Whether the church is perfect, it's not about that. It's so much more. Today is so special because God really reveals to us what is the foundation of our faith. What's it really all about? And there's a great mystery and we'll call it the great mystery today. How is it that Christianity has survived for 2,000 years? Have you stopped and thought about that? How is it that, you know, a third of the world's population this weekend stops what they're doing and they, in different languages that you may not even understand, places that you didn't even under, knew existed, in villages, in remote places, in jungles, they're hearing and talking and, and praising and singing just like we did this morning about Jesus. How's that possible? 
How did Christianity survive all these years? You know, you think about all the governments that have come and and gone and and all the things that have happened. How did Christianity survive the Roman Empire? You guys ever heard of Nero? He was a, a king of Rome. You know, do you realize that he was one of the most powerful men in the world and today the only thing that you know about Nero is that he arrested and set Christians on fire in the Colosseum? Caesar Augustus, he was the first Roman emperor. He did incredible things, you know, all these reforms in government. He, he was an outstanding leader. Do you realize that he's a footnote in the Christmas story? You wouldn't even know he existed if it weren't for Jesus. How is it possible that a carpenter, 30 years old, in a remote area, that he only traveled, you know, 30 miles in radius, and that he never wrote a book, he never was taped on video, how is it possible that he's such a figure today in our world? It's a mystery. How is it possible that Christianity has survived all these years? And you know, this great mystery has an answer, and I want you to know that if there's any question of whether Christianity is going to survive, I know a lot of people are worried about Christianity and and what's happening in the world, and is Christianity going to survive? Let me just say it in the words of Jesus. Christianity, nothing, not even the gates of Hades, will stop Christianity. Nothing will stop it. You know, we may have some highs and lows, but nothing will stop Christianity. And the reason for that is Easter. And I believe a lot of the reason why people stiff arm God and, you know, maybe today you've got both feet on the brake. And, you know, you're here because you got bribed to come here. You know, they, you, your mom told you, I'll cook you the, your favorite dish if you come to church with me today. You know, or you got dragged here because you think she's cute and, you know, it's not about Christianity, it's not about church, it's about her. Whatever the reason. But when it comes down to, you know, I'll never become a Christian, I, I want to I encourage you today to think about Christianity in a different light. Because I believe some of us were off on what is the true message of Jesus. We're focused on church. I grew up thinking the same thing. Christianity is full of hypocrites. You know, I grew up around people that, that said one thing and did another. And I said, man, I'll never become a Christian for that reason. I want to challenge you to become a Christian for the reason Jesus intended it. How did the church survive all these kingdoms and movements over such a great time, and how will it survive? Jesus' message, although he was provoked, he did not advocate liberation or revolution from the Romans. That wasn't his message. He 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 was urged to do so. They said, hey, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? You know what they were asking him, right? Let's start a revolution. Let's revolt against the Roman Empire. You know what Jesus said? You know what he said, some of you. What did he say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, he backed off. They pushed him to the edge, and he backed off. He says, I'm not here for that. Pontius Pilate asked him, he said, hey, Jesus, are you a king? And he said, yes, I'm a king. 
but my kingdom is not of this earth. It's of another place. And Pilate was confused. But so much of what Jesus talked about, it wasn't about his message. Jesus did not go around talking about, hey, I want you to focus on my parables. I want you to focus on my message, my ideals. Let's see what Jesus wanted us to focus on. Jesus' message was about Jesus. Jesus' message was about Jesus. He, he asked his followers not, not to trust in his ideas, but he, asked, he instructed his followers to do what? To trust in who? In him. And this is huge because so many of us get caught up in other things and other focuses and we're all distracted by all this other stuff instead of focusing in on who? Jesus. And that's why Easter is so, so important. When Jesus, and this is a verse in Matthew 16, he, he had a time with his disciples and they were passing through and he, it says here, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, so what's the word on the street? Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And their answer, hey, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And then he flipped it and he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? This is a huge moment. And guess who spoke up? Always. He always, the first one to talk, Peter. Peter speaks up and he says, he says it right here. Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. This is a huge statement. This is huge what, what he's saying here. And, and, and Jesus didn't say, hey, hey, shh, don't tell anyone. you got to keep that. Hey, hey, you're, you're going a little too far, Peter. He didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, he said this. He said to, to, to Peter, he said, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. He said, what you said, Peter. It's not an opinion. It was revealed to you by God. It's a, it's a profound truth what you've just said. Now, I want you to remember this because Peter's saying something very powerful right here. And we're going to see what happens a little later. You know, sometime later, you know, early in Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist was on the scene and he was beginning to, to roll out the foundation for Jesus. And one day, he was there, John was there, and again two, with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the guy who's going to explain to you who the Lamb of God is. He didn't say that, did he? What did he say? He said, there's the Lamb of God. I mean, that's huge what he was saying here. There's the Lamb of God. Who is the focal point? Jesus' parables and his teaching and, and how, how awesome, and his teaching's great, but you and I have to back away from all the distractions and say, who am I going to focus in on when I follow Christianity? What's this going to be about? And some of you are incredibly distracted by other things instead of the one thing or the one purpose who you need to be focused on. There was another incident between... Uh, Jesus and Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. And I believe one of our, our, our uh, speakers this morning shared about it. And, you know, 
Jesus was asked by a messenger, hey, one of your friends is really sick and he's going to die. And you know what Jesus did? He purposefully waited till he died. I mean, wow, why, why would you do that? Your friend is hurting. Your friend's going through a hard time. Why would you wait? Because Jesus is up to something that a lot of times we don't think about. And when he arrives late, Lazarus is dead and buried. He's in a grave. And, and one of the sisters comes and Martha says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know what she's saying? Jesus, you were late. Jesus, you didn't answer my prayer. You didn't, you didn't come when I needed you. You didn't come through like I thought. Jesus, you're, you're making it hard for me to follow you. And here's what Jesus said. It's so, so powerful. To Lazarus' sisters, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me. The one who believes in me will live. So what was the focal point of Jesus' message? It was Jesus. What should be the focal point of your following? It should be Jesus. But what's the reason you're not following Jesus? And we got a long list of things, don't we? We got a long list of questions. Jesus hasn't answered my questions, all my questions. So therefore, I can't follow. And so we make that excuse and we stiff arm God and we stiff arm Jesus. When all the time Jesus just wants us to do one thing, focus on me and focus on an event, a very powerful event. To his apostles, one day he's teaching them and it got really deep, you know. I don't know if you've ever been to church sometimes and, and they talk and, and they go really deep and you're like, oh, I don't understand all this. This is like, this is at another level. Thank God we're not doing that today. Because <laughs> I can't handle that myself. It's got to be really simple. But this is one of these non-simple times. And Philip, one of the apostles, he's there and he's going, Jesus, we don't get all this stuff. Can you just do this one thing? And he says this, show us the Father, and that'll do it. Just show us the Father. Make it simple for us, Jesus. And, and look at what Jesus says here in John 14, verse 9. He says, anyone who has seen who? Me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Philip, you don't need to see the Father. Here he is. Wow. You've got to understand, this is so powerful. And see, some of us are waiting to see the perfect church, the perfect Christian to show up at our doorstep and say, here I am, I am going to solve all your problems, I'm going to heal all your sicknesses, and I'm going to answer all your questions. I got news for you. It's not going to happen. And that's why you need to focus just as they did on Jesus. And the more you focus on Jesus and the event that transpired around his life, the more you're going to be able to be free and follow him. And here's the interesting thing that, that the gospel, this is so powerful about the writers of, of, of the gospel because they didn't, they didn't cover it up. They didn't twist it. I, I want you to understand during the weekend from Friday to Sunday morning, they were riddled with doubt. See, because when Jesus died on Friday, their hopes died with him. 
They thought it was over. Read it for yourself. I encourage you to read it. They thought it was over. They were in hiding. You know the most amazing thing about the gospel writers? You know, when you write a story, don't you write yourself as one of the heroes? Wouldn't you do that? The writers of the gospel were self-proclaimed cowards and doubters. That's what they wrote. Do you know why they wrote that? Because they just wanted to tell the truth. It wasn't about them. And here's another incredible thing you're going to see. This is how it happened. When Jesus died, his followers doubted his message. Everything was thrown in like, I don't know. They went into hiding. His followers doubted his claims. Jesus said all this stuff, and they thought it was over. The movement for, for two and a half days stood still. The movement stood in the grave. I want to ask you, where is the movement in your life today? Where is Christianity? Is it standing still or is it moving and it's alive? It may, you might, may find yourself in a similar state. And how is it that we're still here today focusing in on Jesus? Look at, this is how it happened. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, that was Sunday, while it was still dark. And now this is huge. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from its entrance. I want you guys to understand, women in the first century had no credibility. Zero. If you're a writer of the gospel, would you include that women were the first ones to find the empty tomb? Would you write that? Do you know that in the first century, women could not testify in court? They had zero credibility. That's how women were treated. Aren't you glad it's not like that today? Some of you are still treating your wives that way, and you need to change that. That's a side note, freebie. But this is so huge because why did the gospel writers say on the entrance, the first ones to find the empty tomb was who? Women. Why would they do that? Because it's true. They're just being honest. This isn't about trying to push a message. This is just about telling the honest truth, and we're going to see some more of this. Verse 2, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, one that Jesus loved, and this is John talking about John, and he said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. And I want you to understand that this window, they still didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. What are they saying here? What's she saying, Martha? Or Mary Magdalene. Somebody stole Jesus' body. See, they didn't get it yet. It hadn't happened yet. There was no drum roll or parade or, or countdown Sunday morning. Five, four, three, none of that. No band waiting outside. In fact, the only ones who were standing outside of the tomb that morning were guards and they were asleep. And this is what they thought. That somebody stole Jesus, but they did not believe. Luke says it this way about the apostles, the men... They did not believe the women because their words seemed like what? Nonsense. No wonder we don't let them testify in court. <laughs> because they're always talking and it's nonsense. Now, this is the way they thought in the first century. Okay, okay, I'm not saying now. <laughs> this is the way they thought. <sighs> the women. But they're telling it like it is, like it happened. 
So, so they got up in John 20, verse 3 and 4. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. Who was faster? But the other disciple outran, G, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is John's humble way of saying I'm faster than Peter. <laughs> I beat him. Verse 6 and 7. Then Siner Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. When he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth, he had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and they saw and believed. This is huge. Because this is the moment that everything changed for the disciples. The same guys who were hiding, who were, who were cowards and doubters, they came out. And from this moment on, they started proclaiming in the streets and in the temple courts a message. Not about Jesus' parables and teaching. What was their message? Jesus' followers re-engaged because they saw of someone they saw, and that someone was Jesus. And I believe if you here today, if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, if you're not in a good spot with God, I believe one of the reasons is because you're focused on the wrong things or the wrong someone. If you want to engage in Christianity, you need to focus in on Jesus and what happened on Easter morning because it's significant. It's significant because Jesus said it would happen. I don't know about you, but if somebody says they're going to rise from the dead and then they pull it off, I'm going with what he says. I put my faith in him. The message. What was their three-point message after the resurrection? Here it is. Your sins put Jesus on the cross, point number one. Point number two, he rose from the dead. And point number three, turn to God in repentance. Change your life. It was simple. It was very simple. Here's an example. Acts chapter 3, verse 15. This is, this is Peter here, and he's saying, you killed the author of life. He's talking to a huge crowd. The same guy that wouldn't even stand up to a middle school girl in the courts the night that Jesus was arrested. Not only did he not say, Jesus, you're the son of God, he said, I don't even know you. And look what he's saying now after the resurrection. What is, what is Peter saying now? I mean, he's saying, you, you killed Jesus. But God raised him from the dead and what? We are witnesses. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw it. We were there. And not just me, Peter. A number of us saw it. The book of 1 Corinthians says that there were 500 people that saw Jesus walking and talking after he was crucified and killed. I mean, this is powerful. In Acts 2.38... This is another situation where the people believed in the message. They believed in the apostles. They were cut to the heart and they said, you know, we believe what you're saying. We believe that you saw this. What do we do to get in a right relationship with God? 
And look what Peter said. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for what? For the forgiveness of your sins. This is powerful. What does the resurrection mean for you and I? That we can be forgiven. That's what it means. And trust me, the thing you need the most in your life, maybe not this morning, but you will. And I know some of us who are husbands, what are the main thing that we need in our life? A lot of forgiveness. Us as fathers, those of us who are fathers, we've made a lot of mistakes. And let me just say this. As a minister, you know one of the things that I need the most? Forgiveness. Because I don't do this perfectly. None of us do. If you're waiting on people that are going to come through and be perfect, you don't understand the message and what we need, what you need. And the more you point your finger at other people, that finger's pointing back at you saying, hey, what business do you have doing pointing the finger at somebody else when you're just as desperate Well, I'm not going around proclaiming to be a Christian. Let me tell you what real Christians are. Real Christians are humble people who realize they're broken and they need God. They don't elevate themselves. And if they do, they're making a mistake and God help them and God forgive them. Let me just be honest with you. I have no business being a minister of this church. And you have no business being in this church as a Christian. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God can change everything for us. God can make everything new. And that's what I want to invite you to, the forgiveness of sins. And it doesn't stop there. Something incredible happens because of the resurrection. The promise continues. And you'll receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, not just you, but for your children and for all who are far off, not just your children, your children's children and the children after that and generations to come for thousands of years. I want to assure you of something. Jesus didn't die and leave this earth. He's here. He's here via the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives testimony that he has power to change lives, to change what you're focused on. He has power to transform you. You know, we were at a, a party Friday night, and I left the party, and, and I was thinking about some of the couples were there at the party. And I said, you know what? It's amazing what God has done with these families. Because I know who they were before. I know what they were before. Who helped them change? Who who transformed them? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you new life, wants to give you power to take over those areas that you can't control. So if today you've got your foot on the brake and you're not going to become a Christian, I want to encourage you to think and be open to what are your excuses And it says here that for all whom the Lord our God will call. Do you know that God is calling out today on Easter morning? He's calling. Hey, why are you still focused on those those silly things of before? On your excuses? 
Why are you focused on all of that? Don't you know how much I love you? Don't, don't you know how long I've longed for you to be my son, my daughter in close fellowship? Well, I just can't be with people in church. Let me say something to you about church. Church is an incredible place where we can encourage each other and help each other through the highs and lows. I don't know where I would be without church. But there are challenges. I'll grant you that. But I'd much rather be on the inside than on the outside. Here's the point I want to leave you with. The resurrection changes everything. Everything. It takes away our excuses. It takes away our reasons for not changing. See, if Jesus can rise from the dead, what does that say about us? We can change. We can grow. We can be forgiven of all the stuff that's holding us back. And you know what else it says? It says that I can forgive. Some of you don't want to forgive. God has given, forgiven you so much more than your offenses, than people that offended you. You know that? The resurrection gives you the power, gives you the ability to let go, to stop holding on to bitterness. Stop holding on to all those axes that you've got to grind. That life doesn't turn out the way you want. Let it go. Jesus is trying to bring you close so that you can understand there's so much more. There's a resurrection waiting for you. And let's wrap it up. This is, this is what... Uh, this is what Peter the Apostle said in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. He says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness through his name. It's so important for us to put our focus on Jesus today and the event that changed history. You know why Christianity is going to thrive and survive in the future? Because of the resurrection. Christianity, thank God, it doesn't depend on the, 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 the perfection or imperfections of Christians. Aren't you glad? There will always be hypocrites in the church. There will always be judgmental, condescending, you know, hell-bent people in church. And I apologize for them. But let me help you understand. Jesus gives you every reason to follow him. And the resurrection takes away all of our excuses for not loving God back. Right now we're going to take the communion and what we're doing is we're remembering the night before Jesus was arrested and he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that I'm breaking for you. I'm going to allow my body to be broken into pieces for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood which is poured out for you. It's the blood of a new covenant. It's a, it's a relationship that I want to establish with you. It's a bond. A covenant means I'm going to be with you forever. Drink it and remember what I've done. You want to know what the communion is? It's a reminder that God loves you so much. He's willing to bleed for you. He's willing to have his body ripped to pieces for you. And by the power of God, that same body was resurrected to life. Let's pray for the communion.
Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we have to remember Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll please help us to focus in on Jesus and not on all the distractions, not on all of our excuses for why we're keeping in a distance from you and from following Jesus. God, we lift up Jesus today, and we want not Easter to be celebrated one day a year, but every day. I pray for our brothers and sisters who are, are walking in the shadows to come out into the light, to come into your loving covenant, and that you'll help them to be healed and to be filled with your spirit. I pray for our friends who are here this morning, God, that, that are stiff-arming you. They're making excuses. God, please break the barrier, break the, the wall with your love. Father, thank you that we can remember Jesus now and his body and blood that were poured out for us. I pray that today can be the day that we decide the fighting is over, the distance is over, and that we're gonna come close. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We lift him up right now. We lift up this communion. God bless us and help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.